0: Welcome to Hubstaff's Agency Advantage Podcast, hosted by Andy Baldacci. Each week, Andy interviews a successful agency owner who shares their proven strategies to help you build and grow your agency. Hey, everybody, and welcome back to Hubstaff's Agency Advantage Podcast. I'm your host, Andy Baldacci, and today I'm talking with Samuel Timothy of One IMS, who shares how his agency launched a successful product business by scratching their own itch. Samuel and his brother Solomon founded the marketing agency back in 2006, and since then they've grown tremendously while generating remarkable returns for their clients, taking some of those clients from obscurity to authority and eventually leading to an acquisition. Like many digital agencies, it took a lot of tools for One IMS to get their job done. They tried to simplify their processes as much as they could, but still found themselves using multiple disjointed tools, creating reports, and connecting all of the dots. It was a pain. To scratch their own itch, they developed a platform internally to replace all of those various tools and streamline their efforts. They knew they were onto something and spun the platform out as a standalone product called ClickX. Today, Samuel is here to talk about how getting rid of the third-party tools to transform relationships with clients, how they managed to launch a SaaS company while growing their service business, and the challenges they faced along the way. If you spend almost as much time piecing together reports from dozens of tools, or you want to launch a product of your own, this is the episode for you. So without further ado, here's Samuel. Samuel, thank you so much for coming on the show today. I really appreciate it. Well, thanks for having me, Andy. Appreciate the opportunity. No, so we were talking before, and One IMS, your agency, has a really interesting story. You originally started out as a creative agency, you've transitioned into an inbound agency, and you also now have started offering a SaaS product. So let's start from the beginning. How did you make that first transition from the creative side to the digital marketing, inbound marketing side?
1: Certainly. Yeah. I mean, it's a story of evolution for sure. Um, we started as, a, as you described as a creative agency. We were making beautiful websites for clients and, and they were very happy. And then later on, they keep coming back to us and say, well, Samuel, you guys did a great job in getting us a website, but that just doesn't do any good for us. Uh, it doesn't generate business. So what do we do with this? So we kind of quickly had to evolve into becoming an online marketing agency. And so we brought on Technical experts who are specialized in SEO and paid search, and uh, and then brought that expertise in house and started offering uh, online marketing as a service to our clients. Um, so from just offering websites and creative design work, we went on to becoming a more of a marketing agency that offered um, quality, you know, quality on inbound marketing services. Uh, so that's essentially how we kind of transitioned into that inbound agency.
0: That's interesting because I've I've talked to a lot of agency owners who ran into similar problems where they would deliver whatever service the client came to them for. But at the end of the day, if the client wasn't making more money, if the client's business wasn't a success, they weren't going to be a client for long. Like one of the good examples I used was uh, Jonathan Dane. He runs a PPC agency and he was saying so many of these pay-per-click shops, they'll drive a ton of traffic and then they just leave you alone. But if, if the end client can't convert those leads to business, It doesn't really matter. And it seems like the same thing. Like You can build the most beautiful website, the fastest loading, responsive, everything in there. But if it doesn't help their business, then they're not going to stick around for that long. Exactly. I
1: mean, a a beautiful website just operating as a brochure doesn't do any good these these days. I mean, I think it it did work in the beginning, you know, and when people were kind of getting used to having a website, uh, it was kind of like a thing to check off in their marketing to do list, and that was about it. About it. But I think once you know, everyone started seeing, you know, people are actually using Google to to find businesses and to do business with, uh, then they realized, well, we have to use our website as a marketing engine, as a sales engine to drive new new business. So that's essentially how we aligned our business to, to uh, support our client's request. Um, and and I, I think that was
0: a good move on our part at the time. Right. And so when you make this move, when you bring in new help, when you bring when you expand your staff and you start a- offering all these new services, how do things change internally? What is it like now managing so many different sides to your business? Oh man, it was
1: it, it was you know I mean it definitely was a good move, but we didn't realize how complicated of a an offering is online marketing. I mean, if you think about, um, you know, it's it's pretty easy. Oh, okay, we offer SEO, paid search, and social, right? I mean, it sounds pretty simple, but it's there's a lot of intricacy to every component of that. I mean, almost each of those. Bi- Each of those services can be turned into a business of its own. Uh, And then on top of that, you add the complexity of all the different, uh, you know, how fast this market is changing, right? With all the uh, algorithm changes that Google has and how rapidly all the online marketing industry is evolving, uh, you kind of have to keep, uh, you know, keep. Pace with all that industry changes as well, so it was it was it was a big challenge. That's exactly the reason why we wanted to bring the top talent because we knew we weren't going to be that expert to do the job. So we brought on that experts to, to help us um, to accelerate our growth.
0: And how long ago was it that you you made this change in becoming kind of a full digital agency?
1: Around two thousand seven, two thousand eight is when we actually started heavily focused on online marketing as our primary
0: service offering mm-hmm. and once you made that change you said it was a big adjustment getting used to having all these different services on your belt as you get more comfortable with that as you start delivering all of these different services to the client did you hit any bottlenecks like were there any early struggles where you said wow this is a lot harder than we expected We did, we did. So,
1: I mean, I think the biggest thing is, especially with online marketing. I mean, there's, you know, it's not just a creative service, right? I mean, there's creativity, and then there's also analytics, and you have a lot of things that you have to kind of put together to make an effective online marketing strategy for clients. So, we were doing a ton of research. We were doing analysis of data that's being collected, and we're also having to report on these information. So, uh, and then we have all these different variety of industries. uh, Clients are in different industries. So, and we're having to learn their industry. To be able to produce content for them, and then also uh, understand what their buyers and buyer personas are actually looking for, and then aligning our strategy to meet that persona. So there's a whole lot of stuff going on that we didn't really see initially going into it. So we were extend- we we're essentially becoming an extension of our client's marketing department. So we're having to adapt to their business, understand their business, and and then actually work as if it's you know we're actually their uh, internal team. So it was it was a great experience. Um, but nonetheless, I think it, it taught us a lot in terms of, you know, what we have to do in terms of um, our business to to become more efficient and, and operationally efficient.
0: Right. And I mean, when there's so many different services going on, when there's so many different stakeholders, and like you said, you're almost an extension of their marketing team, you're almost an extension of their marketing department, it does bring in a lot of. Not necessarily uncertainty, but there's a lot of processes competing with each other. There's a lot of things you need to figure out. And one of the things we had talked about before this call was about just the difficulties of reporting on what was going on. Because like you said, the clients ultimately want results. So what was it like reporting on the results for all of these different services?
1: Exactly. I think you know, I think the you know, I think if we were to break it up into two aspects, right? So when we bring on a client, there is that research stage and the campaign management stage. Uh, and then the the other side of it is the performance monitoring and reporting. So the you know, when you when you do any kind of marketing most of the time, you know, when people are whether they're buying traditional media or they they're buying, you know, some they're doing some direct mail campaign or something, there are some tangible things that they get, right? Um so with, with the digital marketing, there's a lot of that we do is behind the scene, behind a computer that the clients really don't get to see, and then they get very antsy, right? They get very anxious. Yeah, us like, to are what they are working? What are they working on? What are they doing? Exactly, yeah. exactly. So, we we were spending way too much time in the initial phase of onboarding a client and researching and determining exactly what the, the course of action to make this client the industry leader in that market space. So, we do all that research and, and it's all behind the doors, and the client doesn't necessarily have any access into it. So, that actually created some tension between us and the client, and especially just trying to build that trust. Um, and then, from, from an ongoing marketing campaign management standpoint, there was also a lot of time being spent on just creating, uh, just trying to report on numbers as opposed to making the numbers. So we were actually just draining a lot of hours of our retainer just. Running custom reports, creating custom presentation, meeting with clients and sharing these things on, you know, call whether it be face to face or web meetings and things like that. So that also was taking away a lot of efficiency that we needed to have in our, in our business to be to be more profitable and, and uh, things like that. So those are some challenges that we ran into um, in our early days of uh, building this business.
0: At the end of the day, when, when you are reporting on these these services to the client, what are the numbers that they're really are caring about? Like what are the types of reports you're running? Is it just like are these are the backlinks, these are your rankings? Like what are the kind of nitty-gritty tools that you're using and balancing in all of this?
1: Yeah, so I think, I think there are lag measures and lead measures, right? So at the end of the day, the clients don't really care about the backlinks or they don't care about um, key keywords or any of those things they really care about did I did my phone ring and was that a quality call did I did I make a sale right so that's essentially what they're looking for but we especially as we're building up this machine right this inbound marketing machine we have to show some progress so the progress is where we can show that hey what we're doing is working toward the right direction we're going in the right direction but it may not be impacting your business today but we know that the progress report that we're seeing is, is, a, is a good report right? So we had to have system and processing in place and even tools in place to be able to show that we're making the right progress. Uh, so that's the kind of reports that we were we were producing. So this would be keyword position report. We will show engagement report on the content that we're producing. We will show you uh, the social shares. And also when you refer to it as the backlink, that's also something we refer to as, hey, there's people consuming your content and they're willing to share this content. And that's also an indication that what we're doing is working. Uh, so all those kind of things, and ultimately we're going to show traffic and leads and conversion and uh and if they do are open to sharing whether those calls turn into business then we have that insight as well so there's there's a whole lot of intelligence available i think the best thing about online marketing there's so much numbers that you can collect uh but then it's just overwhelming, right what What's actionable numbers? I mean you can have information about visits and leads and conversion, but if you can't really act on that information, it's useless. Uh, so we wanted to make sure that the the information we're gathering is actionable and that's that it's providing us intelligence on how to make our campaigns more more effective and at the same time giving our clients the peace of mind that hey, this is working uh,
0: so that's essentially where we were we were trying to. Trying to do. Was there a certain point where you stopped and were like, wait, why are we spending so much time reporting on the data rather than actually delivering better results? Why are we spending so much time reporting on the campaign than actually improving the campaign?
1: yeah so I think it did cross our minds um, and also in terms of our even our, our actual building out the campaign too we were spending way too much time and way, way too many tools I mean if you can just to give you an idea if you were just talking about search engine optimization for an example you have to have a keyword research tool to really find out what are the right keywords that you should be you should be targeting. Then you need to do competitive analysis. You need to know who are the comp- competitors in the market space that we're competing against, and what are the keywords that they're using. Then you need a backlink analysis tool to see, hey, where sh- where can we get uh, good mentions of this client's brand? Uh, where are the competitors getting mentions? Uh, you also need to track the keyword progress. You need to monitor the uh, the reviews and reputation for that brand. Uh, you need to manage the business listings. I mean, there's there's already probably five or six tools that you need just to do just organic search, and now if I'm talking about call tracking, right, and performance reporting, uh, and then if I wanted to also do social publishing, uh, and if I'm managing paid search, so there's there's a, a whole lot of tools that you have, all these disjointed tools are all producing data, but then you somehow have to make sense of this data, and then also have to act on that information, and then report it to client and say, hey, all this stuff that we're collecting is helping us do our, your campaign a lot better. And this is what the inside is, right? Here's all the all the information that we have. So that's that was a big challenge that we had. And 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 um, I don't know if that really answered your question.
0: No, and I think that's something where most agency owners, especially just the who are doing a bit of everything, they see that as as normal. They they've almost come to accept that that's just the way things are because all of these tools make their jobs better. But when they take a step back and actually really look at it. While these do solve bits and pieces, there's a lot of overhead to using all those tools. Oh, yeah. And so you guys were a bit different in that obviously you had all those tools, but at one, at one point you realized there has to be a better way and you started working to solve this problem. Can you talk to that? Uh,
1: certainly, yeah. So, I mean, from one sense, obviously, we were spending way too much money on the separate tools. Uh, so that was definitely a problem. And then from another sense, we saw that we had we had some operational inefficiencies um, because we needed a systematic way to onboard clients, We needed a systematic way to manage those clients and campaigns. We needed a way to report on these campaign performance. And we also wanted to have some transparency into exactly what we're doing and how that's impacting my cl- our client's business, right? So we, we tested every problem. Possible tool in the marketplace there were not not a single tool that actually solved it for all the different problems that we had right so the it came down to this we we would have to build this there's no other other tool so we were trying to pitch it together you know kind of stitch it together a bunch of different tools to make something come out of it even that didn't work so I ended up actually writing it from scratch so we built our own technology that helped us more efficient at what we do, and then also gave a lot of insight into the campaign performance to our clients. Uh, and then that made a big difference in terms of how we were doing business, also the relationship that we started to have with our, our client base.
0: This was something you guys just did originally internally. This was an internal tool that was going to make it easier, cheaper, and more efficient to run your own business. Exactly. How long did it take you to actually build the, the first version of this tool?
1: So we started working on this tool like in 2009, but it was, it was kind of like a sidekick. You know, like it wasn't, it wasn't something that we invested heavily into. But then, you know, like by 2011, 2012, we started seeing some, you know, like, hey, this is, this is a viable, viable tool. Like we don't need to be spending money on all these external tools that we were purchasing. Let's make this to be our core product that we use for running our operation. Uh, so that's kind of how we started investing heavily into
0: building our software. Mm-hmm. And I want to talk a bit about what it was the differences you saw with interacting with your own clients. What did you develop this tool once it really is the one platform that is kind of king of all of them when you've when you've got your clients on board on this new tool, what was the difference? like how did it change the relationship with the clients?
1: First and foremost, it just made our life a lot easier, um, so we were able to do a lot more for the clients, uh, and we are able to see the exact areas where the client needed the most help, and so we can act on those things. Uh, and then from a reporting standpoint, we're giving instant access to, into the client's campaign. So they're getting instant um, information where, where their campaigns are running, where they're getting the most amount of clicks, what are their top-performing keywords, when do they get a phone call, even the call recording. All that information is right there available to them at their fingertips. And so they have a login? Oh yeah, they mm-hmm. get access to it 24/7. So they can they can anytime they can log in and see where are, where are our keywords ranking, how much in traffic are we generating, um, who are our top competitors, where are they spending money? I mean, there's so much uh, information. Even the reviews that they're getting, we're uh, crawling the web and finding that and and you know just compiling all of it into one dashboard, uh, so they don't have to go to uh, multiple different websites to go and see how are they doing, um, and then whether or not they're getting in reviews or anything like that.
0: Right, right. because before. When you have all these different tools, this is something like I haven't been really in the nitty gritty day to day of the agency. So I'm curious, like what would you give your client like a dozen different logins? Like how would you handle that problem if they wanted to ask about the performance or status of different things?
1: Oh, they—they they, even if you gave them access, they wouldn't do it. So all they would do is, oh, can you tell me what, how am I doing in my keywords? How, how much in traffic did I get?" All that information. And when we call and say, "Hey, did you get any calls this month?" You know, or any of that information, they don't have insight into that. So we're constantly in the dark in terms of some of those. Activities that we're doing is whether or not that that's impacting their business. So at the end of the day, we were going to Google AdWords or Google Analytics or other third-party tools that we were using. We'll take screenshots, create custom PowerPoint slides, and then present it to them every month. And it was taking just way too much time, to ta- you know, time to do that.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, because that's the thing is like even if you somehow were able to give them all the logs, they're going to forget which tools for what. And, <laughs> and I mean, I don't blame them. Like that's they don't live in that world. That's not their job. Correct. So it's like all right, here's another five logins. This is what each does. Like figure out using this flow chart, which one you want to log in. And like, no, like I'm just going to send the account manager an email and ask him to do it for me. Exactly. And I mean, that's distracting as an agency like that. Those types of requests are very common, but that's not what you're actually getting paid for. Like that's, you're not providing a real benefit, a real value. By just answering those requests exactly,
1: the ad hoc reporting was taking way too much time because, especially the clients, you know, they're one of the things about online marketing is it's not tangible, right? When you're doing SEO and sometimes it takes three months, six months, nine months before they can start to see any traction for the money they're investing into it, and so when they're waiting that long and they're getting getting actions, right? They're getting anxious and they want to know, oh, I'm paying these guys a ton of cash but I don't see it's coming back. So I need to see whether this is working. So they're going to pick up the phone and call all the time. Hey- What's going on? Show me the traffic. Show me the keywords. Uh, how do I know this is working? So we're we're having to answer the same an, you know same question all the time for different clients. So this is where this tool really solved it. We can show them, hey, look, when we started, you had no keyword indexed anywhere on Google. Look, now we're in three months into it, we have 40 keywords already on page seven, and we're showing green arrows showing that we're going in the right direction. You know, and now, now we have about four of our top keywords on page three or page one, whatever that might be, and look at that increase in traffic. And now we're also tracking goals in Google Analytics. We can show them the form submissions. We can give them the phone calls that they're getting from the paid search. All that information is available to them. So they don't, instead of spending that five minutes writing that email, they can just quickly go to the dashboard and see, hey, well, am I getting calls? And even solve their own operational problems. We have clients that found out that they were not answering phone calls as, you know, as quick as they should be, and also putting people on hold for a lot longer than they should be. So, all those kind of issues that they had. Instead of us pointing at, pointing at fingers at us, they were quickly answering, you know, internally solving the problems that they knew that they
0: never knew existed. That's really so, interesting. And uh-huh. I'm guessing that you, you're still obviously communicating with the clients during this period of time. But how has that communication changed? Instead of just giving them these long PowerPoint presentation and handing all those other ad hoc requests, what are your communications like now that there's all this uh, – Better reporting for them.
1: Yeah, now the, the the conversation is more strategic because the client already has the insight in front of them. So we're not talking about the numbers anymore. We're talking about, okay, last month we were doing this and we had this many new leads and we think this is the way we should go. This is the kind of campaigns that we have to do. Um, we should spend more money on these type of keywords or we need another version of this landing page to drive – Better conversions. Maybe we have to change our call to actions. So we're not talking about the tactics that we are doing and reporting on the tactics and uh, how that performing in numbers. We're having a lot more strategic conversation around uh, what we should be changing and how that's impacting the business. So it's a lot better conversation also. And I'll increase the, the overall you know
0: that joy of working with that client. Because mm, you're actually focusing on what matters to each of you. You don't. You don't want to deal with the reporting. They don't care about that exclusively. They care about their business, and that's the stuff that you want to work on. Is you want to work on strategies and developing ways to help grow the business. And when you can get the reporting out of the way, it lets you spend a lot more time doing that. We're not here just to let you brag about this great tool you have for yourself. You now now offer this tool to other agencies. So at what point did you make the decision to say, all right, we're on to something here. I think other agencies could benefit.
1: Yeah. So I think in terms of uh, agencies and we're we're, – more than agencies are clients that are coming to us directly and buying the tool. So there are uh, what we've seen as a trend was you know, uh, when we realized that there is a product and we turned it into a business of its own uh, and then we made a brand around it, right? And then basically just using inbound marketing, we started driving a lot of traffic. Uh, what we've done also is that we've created our own uh, little website grader tool. So when people come to that website, they will run a grader and they will find out some of the issues that are pertaining to their website and then they become a lead. And then once they start to realize, okay, this tool can help me do marketing better, um, and then they would inquire about having a demo or a trial. So that's kind of how the product kind of took off as a, as a standalone business. Um, so more than agencies in which is a relationship that we're, we're kind of building up, we have a lot more direct clients that are coming to the to us that just want the tool because they have the internal team that are doing a lot of this, but they needed a, uh, um, so we're not just a, a reporting engine. We're also, we add a layer of intelligence. So for example, if you plug in your competitor, we'll crawl the web and tell you exactly all the keywords that they're ranking for. We'll tell you where they're getting their backlinks from. We'll tell you where they're getting their reviews from. We'll tell you where they're spending their AdWords money on. So that information is very, uh, you know, it's an important insight for our clients or our, you know, our clients of our tool, Need to have to make their campaigns even better. So if I if I if I'm getting started with my SEO strategy, and if I already know there's three guys in my marketplace that do very well well in terms of their SEO or paid search, I just need to plug their domain in, and I can get a ton of insight into what keywords they're spending money on. All that, so I don't need to do a lot of that legwork, and I can actually start my campaign immediately. I can plug those keywords right into my strat- uh, my keyword tracker, and then build a strategy around that. And I can actually start creating content or what. Whatever else that I need to do to really, uh, you know, catch up to the competitor. So there's a la- layer of insight that we bring um, that you don't find in many of the tools that just does tracking and reporting.
0: I see, I see, because that's the thing is like like you said before is that the numbers themselves ultimately don't mean a lot. Some of them don't mean a lot on their own. It's what the the insights that you can get from those. It's those a lot of metrics just aren't actionable but when you have some of these insights that actually can point you in the right direction that is what is it makes it a lot easier to drive real results
1: exactly even even some of the you know some of the tools that are freely available like Google Analytics it doesn't tell you which keyword drove traffic and especially Google has kind of um, hidden that information from users so we will pull some of that information from Google Search Console we will bring that in and we'll also tell you the top landing page that drove the traffic uh, where that traffic went to, and we can know, hey, what keyword is that page ranking for? So then we know, okay, that's the keyword that's getting the most amount of traction. So how can we create more content around that keyword? Or if we know that there is a, a poor performing page, then we can quickly focus on that page as opposed to just you know spreading ourselves too thin and working on so many things that may or may not produce ROI.
0: Right. And so I want to get into the weeds a little bit, actually. Um, and because ClickX is a platform you've been talking about, but I want to talk a little bit about how you've actually been able to develop that while still running a very successful agency. How did you handle dedicating resources to this side project? How did you make this happen while still servicing your clients?
1: So once we actually kind of was able to build a business that can sustain and run on its own and had the technology to kind of power it, he was able to free himself up to focus on the product side of the business. So that's how uh, we were kind of able to separate our job roles uh, and focus on, you know, he's focused heavily on building the software uh, and then also marketing it, whereas I am more so on the, on the service side of the business and focused on building and, and, and managing that side of the business.
0: Is your co-founder is he technical? Like, was he doing a lot of the code, or just managing the project, or how? How did that work?
1: Not at all. I think he's a visionary. He, he has the, the 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 insight into how the how the tool need to be, and that's essentially what driving that product development. Um, but we're using external resources for building that platform.
0: Okay, so you're using resources outside of One IMS. Correct. Yeah. I guess the big question is i talked to a lot of agency owners and it seems like every agency wants to get – has some product idea. They want to get into products because they see it as a way to stop selling their time for money. And I get it. But I've also seen that fail so many times, whether it's not knowing how to budget correctly for it, not knowing – all these different aspects. So like when you're using external resources – how much are you comfortable with, like, how do you make the decision on how much you're willing to invest? Is it just like, we're going all in on this, we're going to do what it takes, or what was your approach? Yeah,
1: so originally we built it as an internal tool, right? So we were cre- it wasn't created with, okay... You know how would someone come on board? How would they automatically be able to create their own account, add their competitors, put their keywords, link their AdWords, all that stuff, right? So we were able to do some of those things on our own because we were the tool was designed for our, our internal use. So when we started to um, to to kind of see that there is a product here, so we had to completely rework some of the code that we had to make it as a standalone software, right? So. Fortunately for us, we had a profitable agency that we were running, uh, and we had a very healthy cash flow, so we were able to fund this product without having to seek any investment from external sources. So, And then once we saw that there's a product, then we just kept kept on infusing cash, and then built a product. I, I don't know if there was ever a time like, oh, this is how much we're willing to invest. Um, because we saw, and especially with a tool like online marketing tool, right? The industry is rapidly changing, the technology and platform and, and different different channels are coming every day so you have to have a product that you can continue to in, uh, innovate right so we knew that going into it this isn't going to be a product that you made it once and then just sell it a million times it's got to be a product that continue to evolve so we knew that this was this was a job this was a project that's never going to be completed uh, so we knew that this is going to require uh, you know, a heavy capital um, investment up front uh, and then also right now that we have a a, a good user base that we built on uh, on its own so we're a little bit of that cash is actually coming in and then we'll still
0: continue to fund it from our agency mm-hmm. and I'm curious what about for the, the marketing side for that do you treat ClickX as a client or how do you how do you approach that
1: so we're treating that as a completely independent brand and it has its own marketing team okay. and we're produ- producing a ton of content uh, and so it's primarily has grown through inbound marketing so mm-hmm. we, we do kind of practice what we preach to our clients what
0: made you decide to completely separate the two
1: i think it is kind of required i think the kind of similar to what you've uh, just uh, asked earlier i mean if you really are trying to build a product right you need to have its own team you need to have its own focus you can't kind of be meddling in too many things and it, it won't grow so i'm i'm there as part of supporting the sales team um, but in terms of the product development and marketing side of it my brother is the one that's just uh, the key
0: leader in that Interesting, because that's, that's the thing. Is I was talking with, with Chris Lemma, who's big in the WordPress space, but he was a former agency person. He said so many agencies that if they try to do a product, they try to do it really as a side project, and they put a few hours here, they put a few hours there. Even as it gets bigger, maybe they have one person full-time on it, but it's like it's just really hard to make something grow unless you're focusing on that entirely. And So it seems like that makes a lot of sense that you guys separated the two. Was it from day one? That's separate of an entity. I know you had the outside agency developing it. But what? at what point did you say, like, all right, we can now invest in a marketing team and we can start to grow this?
1: I think as we started to get some traction, so when we went live with a website and we started having visitors coming to it and running graders and requesting for demos and trials – we knew that this is this has got to have its own resources. Um, so that's, I mean, we w- even when we just launched the website, we already were publishing content and we were writing blogs and all that stuff. So we, we knew we had to market it, but it, we just didn't realize how fast we have to go to market, right? Because that the window of opportunity, probably small too, right? Because there's there's definitely so many other tools in the marketplace that are marketing stacks. So if we're going to go into it, we have to go all in, right? So we couldn't wait around and... Figure out. Okay, we're just going to do this part time on the side. So that that's that's not the, the route that we wanted to do. So we just went all in and had the resources to be able to market and promote it.
0: And how much easier was it using the product yourself? Obviously, the organizations are distinct, but you're still going to share what you're learning and if you're having any issues. So like, was that a big advantage in the beginning that you were actually using the platform every day in One IMS?
1: Well, it certainly is because I think we knew all the things that you need, right, to make not just from an agency management standpoint, but from a campaign standpoint, right? For a client, what are the things that if you're going to try to do SEO for yourself as as a company? what what are the things that you need, right? And if you're managing a paid search, what are the things that you need? And, and if you're trying to track offline conversions like phone calls, what do you need, right? So we knew those things. And so that really made the product even better because we weren't making it like, it's not somebody just randomly created a software, right? Because we were in the drenches, we were doing the work, and so we knew what's going to make the campaigns more effective, because we already had a, a proven process and a systematic methodology for doing SEO and paid search for clients. We were doing it already, but what we wanted, it was a tool that's going to make us more efficient and also given us the right insight on what should be, you know, what button should you press, right? So that's the kind of stuff that we were building,
0: yeah, because that's one mistake I, I often see is that if you're not, if you're not the target market for your, your tool, your piece of software, whatever it is, while you can make it work, you have a big uphill battle. But if you're the one in the trenches, as you said, using it every day, it's a lot – not necessarily easy because it's never going to be easy. But you have the insights you need to really know what needs to go in the tool and how to prioritize things. Do you Correct. think that's a fair assessment? Definitely. I'm going to stop Samuel right there for a quick word from our sponsor, but don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. The Agency Advantage podcast is brought to you by Hubstaff. Hubstaff makes time tracking software for remote teams so you can stop tracking time with spreadsheets and start getting insights into how your team is spending their time that only screenshots and in-depth reports can give you. You probably know that by now if you've been listening to the show for a bit. But What you may not know is that we recently launched a platform called Hubstaff Talent, which makes it easy for you to find and hire high-quality freelancers from around the world. Whether you just need extra hands for a specific project or you're looking for something long-term, Hubstaff Talent is what you need. Best of all, it's 100% free. We don't take a cut and we don't act as a middleman. Our goal is for you to use Hubstaff for time tracking, but honestly, you're not required to do so. If you're looking to grow your team with remote freelancers and don't want to pay 20% to Upwork, head over to talent.hubstaff.com today and create a free profile for your agency and start posting some jobs. That's talent.hubstaff, dot All right, let's get back to Samuel. It seems like from your story, it was gradual. And like you said, your story is one of evolution. Things are always changing, improving, growing. Were there ever any points where you really were questioning whether or not you were on the right path with separating the two with kind of making a big push for ClickX?
1: Um, I think when we when we started to see, I mean, it, it, like I was saying, it, I think building a product business, especially a software business, is not a, is not nothing like building a s- service business. Um, I think what I'm what I'm really referring to is the actual cost of acquisition, right? Uh, a client. So when we were selling, when we we're selling, us, you know. Ser- digital marketing services, we're talking maybe 60, 70 grand minimum on an you know, average client is about $60,000 or more per year. So going from that to selling a product that's about $3,600 a year, right? So we didn't really realize how much work effort it's going to take to drive the traffic and then how much it's going to take in terms of turning that visitor into a lead. And from there, uh, you know, all the energy that's going to be required from the sales side to, to, to sell it and then the onboarding part of it. So... It's I it think I think that was the one thing that we didn't really know. We knew how to go build a product and market it because we've helped other SaaS companies. We've helped other companies. We know how to do marketing, but we just didn't realize from an economical standpoint. Like, wow, this is it's more than that, right? I mean, it's more than just driving traffic and getting visitors to actually get people to interest in your product and then buy it, right? So that that cost of acquisition is something we didn't really account for. Uh, and especially when you priced a product at as low as three hundred bucks a month,
0: what they pay in a year is about one twentieth of what an average engagement is with one IMS. So like I'm sure you're thinking, like, all right, this might be tough, but it's got to be a lot easier than on the service side. And you found out that it wasn't as straightforward as you were expecting. It's not,
1: yeah. And I feel, I feel for people who are selling software like thirty bucks a month. I have no idea how
0: they do it. I. And that's the exact thing. It was uh, Jason Cohen who. Founded a, a few startups was most recent was WP Engine. And one of his big presentations was basically on what things to consider when starting a startup. And one of the biggest things is like if you're pricing it below $100 a month, don't mm-hmm. like it's just mm-hmm. the, the numbers just aren't going to work out. It's just so hard because yeah. it's not it's never going to be a completely hands off sale.
1: No, it's, it, you have to hit a critical mass to even make business sense, right? I mean, if you, if you only have a couple hundred users, what's the point? And also, I think in terms of um, the tool, is it's a pretty complex tool. So we have an onboarding fee that we charge just because it, for us to have full adoption of the tool, we have to help this client get on board. We have to help them make sure that they put all the stuff in it, right? Because it, it just doesn't just doesn't do anything for you unless you kind of made the tool do th- certain things, right? I mean, it's like buying an accounting software, that doesn't mean it's gonna do your accounting, right? <laughs> so it's kind of like that. So so that's essentially where we realized we have to have an onboarding fee because we were already draining money just by bringing them on. And if we're also gonna do a free work for the, the first couple, 30 days of there, uh, uh, them being on board um, we might as well have to you know charge to make sure we're breaking even here but and also we're 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 not like the typical software companies we're not making these people sign 12 month contracts it's, it's- just month to month Um, and because we know that if they're already using the tool and they start to get the the best out of it, they're not going to want to cancel it because if if they're seeing the competitor's information, they are tracking their historical data, why would you cancel it three months into it because you're losing that historical information. So so for that reason, we wanted to take that out out of that equation. Uh, We don't want them to even consider, oh, okay, I want to give them that option of canceling so that shouldn't be a problem for Mm -hmm. them to sign up.
0: Mm-hmm. And I want to I wanna switch things back over to the agency side a little bit, because the service side, because I know a lot of our listeners are, maybe they're doing regularly 10,000 plus projects, but they're really having some struggle getting to those bigger projects and selling those. And so I'm, I want to see if we can talk for a few minutes just about your process, what, actually, what it looks like to regularly close a 60K plus long term deal.
1: Yeah, so I think w- from our you know in terms of our approach in selling, we don't talk heavily about you know tactics and all that stuff. We focus heavily on the ROI conversation. So we're going to want to know what is their cost of acquisition today? How much is their average order size? What's their lifetime value per client? How how long is their typical sales cycle? So get to know all about their business and know a little bit more about their sales and their sales challenge. And then we want to know, okay, what's your revenue growth uh, growth um, projection? What percent Percentage of that do you expect to generate from your inbound strategy, uh, and then and we want to know what's your plan and you know uh, action you know plan of action in place to achieve that. And more more often than not, they're going to say, well, we have great great projections in terms of where we want to be revenue wise, but we don't know how much we can generate from online. And and then we ask them what's your plan. They have no real plan, so they're going to keep doing more of what they have done and expect a better result, right? So then that's where we have that conversation. Well, well, you don't have a system, you don't have a plan, but you need a predictable way to generate new business. And the only way we can help you is to drive quality traffic. We know that if we focused on the right keywords and attract the right persona to come to your website and we offer them the right right kind of messaging and use the right call to actions, we can convert a percentage of those people into contacts. And if we can do that and we can do that consistently and 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 systematically and if your sales team does a good job in terms of following up, we know for a fact that you should be able to get a good percentage of those people to close the business, right? Um, so that's the conversation that we have. And if anybody with a good business acumen, they can understand that conversation. So that's where we, we go in there. And, and then in terms of our pricing, we're typically are having conversation around, what is it costing you to acquire a new client, right? So if they, if they tell me they do four trade shows that are $10,000 and they generate two deals out of it, I mean, and then I tell them, if I can do you know, four, four new customers for you. Right. And it's going to cost you less than what you spend on the trade show, whatever that might be. But essentially they can kind of put the two together and figure out, okay, I'm already wasting a way too much money than I thought I am. And I'm, I'm only getting two clients. Uh, but my average order size is a hundred thousand dollars. So I think it's, it's not a bar, you know, it's not a gamble here. No. Right?
0: And I think it's one thing where it's, I think a lot of times agency owners, smaller agency owners don't, Underestimate the scale that a lot of businesses are spending on things where they're not getting like any return at all. And so while to an agency owner spending mid to high five figures, even getting six figures on marketing might be like, that's a huge number. When they're doing these trade shows, when they're doing all like all this travel, when they're doing all these other things like that, it's not always as big of a number. And when you do draw it back in to, like you said, when you look at their customer acquisition costs, when you look at their numbers, and instead of focusing on the features of what you're doing, instead of getting specifics, when you can bring it all back into an ROI, then, like you said, any person with business acumen can understand that conversation and, and the numbers make a lot more sense. And it's not as there's not the sticker shock where if you just look at 60k for inbound, that's a lot of money. But if you look at the actual investment in the ROI, it makes sense.
1: Yeah, and oftentimes we actually ask people plus programs. So the the when you said trade shows, right? So the trade show, they, they gladly say, oh, $10,000 for the booth. But they forgot that they had four people fly out there and stay there at $300 a night for three nights. And on that time, opportunity cost, right, them being away from work for three days, there's so much that was invested into just going to that trade show. And they come back with you know 100 business cards that are cold prospects that just came there for the freebies. They didn't come there for – they didn't come – to be, you know, to buy something from them, but when in fact, if I can drive quality traffic that are proactive people that are going to Google looking for the product or service that you offer, right? How much, how better of a quality lead that is. So. So if if and if they ever had inbound leads, and I of, oftentimes we hear you know oh yeah every time we had an inbound lead they were very very qualified. We tell them, well, would you want to see more of those leads coming to you? <laughs> uh, and it's it's that conversation. I think I think and if they don't get that right, if they cannot understand that 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 number and how this this system can help them. I don't think it's a good prospect to even talk to because you don't want to be the one teaching them because you, they're not going to they're not going to believe it. You're you're selling them something that they don't buy into, so they're probably not going to you know. Especially with SEO and all these different things that we're talking about, it's going to take time to see results. And if they cannot wait and be patient with them and trust the process, they're probably going to cancel anyway.
0: Yeah, and that was one thing I talked to Marcus Sheridan recently, and that was his big thing is that if he doesn't get client buy-in, they're not a client. Like that's the number one thing is that. And I think that's another thing that smaller agency owners struggle with is that there are such things as clients that just aren't a good fit for you. And if they push back on a lot of these things, okay, like fine, move on to the next one. And it's easier said than done, especially when you have cash flow problems, especially when there's other considerations. But I think what you've described is sort of the, the point in a business that most agency owners need to get to. They need to strive to get to that where they're able to turn away those bad fit prospects. <laughs>
1: Correct. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, we're still learning. I mean, it's not. It's not. A, you know, it's easier said than done. Done, but yeah. I mean, I think we still get leads, and and oftentimes we go through that exercise, and only to find that very end. Oh, maybe this isn't. This isn't a good fit. Um, you know. So. It's it's you know it's something that you have to be very you know disciplined to say no. Uh, you have to be able to qualify very early on and say this is not a good fit. And I think if you know your ideal customer profile, you can say no very very early on. So for example, like I think there are certain type of businesses that we don't want to do business with. You know, we just know that this is not going to work.
0: What is your uh, ideal customer profile? Our
1: typical customers are bi- primarily B2B companies in the manufacturing or professional services or technology space. Um, so they are typically around 10 million or more in revenue, and they have an internal internal marketing manager or, or marketing personnel, but they don't have the necessary uh, resources to execute uh, on the inbound marketing strategy. That's typically our customer profile because we need to have uh, that. Uh, that person internally that we can work very closely with and then, and then we can execute on the things that they need, they need done. So that's kind of where our customer base is. And then typically they have a very high, high ticket item that they're selling and a pretty lengthy sales process for them.
0: Interesting. And then that's the thing is that once you have that, you say, like, all right, if they're in this subsection of the market, there's a very good chance they're fit. If they're not in it, it's not that they're never going to be a fit, but it's that you need to probably ask a few more questions and really make sure. Yeah. And I
1: think, I think also from a fulfillment side, right? I don't want to have to go learn about something different, right? And if I already know my ideal customers, their typical challenges and their problems, it doesn't matter to me they're selling widget A or widget B because I know how to solve for that problem that they have. Um, so that's, that's also from a fulfillment side. That's exactly why we, you know, we, we're trying to stay away from companies that are doing e-commerce and things like that because that's not where our forte is.
0: From the very beginning, did you have that insight to know you kind of need to pick a clear, ideal customer segment and plant your flag there? Or were you more uh, generalist at that point?
1: No, because there was no Agency Advantage podcast. <laughs> <laughs> no, seriously. I think if we had known, we would have we would have been way ahead of where we are today. Uh, we kind of – kind of learned it the hard way, right? Just making a lot of mistakes, just bringing on any kind of clients and we learned okay, that's not the, that's not the way to do it because it not only is it bad for your business, it's also kind of bad for the morale, right? Because the employees also kind of don't like the the different type of clients that are bringing all kinds of baggage with them.
0: I will always think of it from the standpoint of if you haven't defined who your buyer is, it's a lot harder to find them because you just don't know you're trying to cast a net and you don't even know what you're trying to catch. But I hadn't thought about it from the employee standpoint. And you're right. If you're doing a bunch of different things and some of these clients have different uh, requirements for just how much handholding they need and all of that, that's going to wear on them. And that can lead to burnout. And like those are things that as you grow, you really need to be concerned about. You need to be looking after your team. Exactly. They're the ones at the end of the day need to deal with these clients, right? Mm Mm-hmm. That's very true. And so, Samuel, we've talked about a ton today. I think this has been a really fun chat. So I have a few quick questions before we we say goodbye. So what we're going to do is just jump into these ones real fast. As much time as you want to uh, give to respond to them, but if you want to just jump right through them, we can too. So the first one is just, what do you spend too much time doing? Oh my, oh my. I think I have to say it's emails. (laughs) That is probably the most common one I get. And then I always feel really bad about emailing the guests. (laughs) So the next one though is on the other side of that what do you not spend enough time doing?
1: I think I think I love to be more involved in the, the strategic um, marketing side of things. Um, I, I love marketing I help our clients with their marketing strategy and things like that but I kind of take a backseat for our own marketing um, but I, I enjoy that so I, if I can get more time that's where I would invest more of it.
0: okay. And then, so we're at the end of the year pretty much here. So what I'll do is I'll change this one around a little bit. What is your What are your goals for next quarter, the first quarter of 2017? Uh, it, it, personal goals or business goals?
1: We'll do We'll do personal goals. We'll mix it up. I actually would love to have more time with my kids. I have two little ones. I have a two-year-old and a four-year-old. So having more time with my family would be one, one, one of the personal goals. And obviously it's the business, you know – figure out ways to be more valuable to our clients, you know, so looking for ways. And I think we're, you know, we're thinking of, you know, I don't know if you've heard the term account-based marketing, uh, which is becoming a very, um, a big topic in the marketing space. So investing a lot of time researching about what that is and how we might be able to kind of offer that kind of service offering to our clients, because especially the clients that we're going after, um, they're very well suited for those kind of services. So looking into how can we more, valuable to our existing clients and our
0: future clients interesting and i been yeah that's the thing is like as an outsider as a not someone in the enterprise sales game i do keep hearing about account-based marketing and so i'm probably gonna have to google that a little bit to get brush up on it after this one but uh, the, the last question i wanted to ask though is what are the the long-term visions for one ims and for ClickX?
1: Uh, One M is definitely one of our passions. Um, So I think in terms of the near, you know, the long term, I mean, we don't have any, any, any exit strategies in the horizon. Um, But we we continue to grow this business because obviously it has given us a good cash flow to build a product like the ClickX. So in terms of long term goals, continue to grow the business. That's about the only thing that I can think of. um, As the
0: as the and what about what about ClickX? Just continual growth. What do you see as five years from now? What would need to have happened for you to say? we are where, we, where I wanted us to be.
1: So we're, we're looking at a, what we refer to as a one-to-many model. So our product, even though it's designed with an a, a, you know, a, a SMB who's doing internal you know, marketing internally, but our product is well-suited for a multi-location kind of a business. So we're looking at opportunities where we might be able to sell to um, you know, franchisees and things of that nature where they can use this tool and manage and monitor their marketing across multiple locations. So that's essentially where we're seeing our opportunity with the GlickX platform.
0: Interesting. And then the last thing, where can listeners go if they want to learn more, if they want to hear more from you, if they want to learn more about your products, where are the best places for them to go?
1: Obviously, our websites would be the easiest. Uh, OneIMS.com. That's O-N-E-I-M-S dot com. And then ClickX is C-L-I-C-K-X dot I-O.
0: Perfect. And I'm going to make sure to get all that linked up in the show notes and see I just want to say thank you so much for coming on the show today. I really appreciate it. Thanks again for having me. Appreciate it. If you're thinking about launching a product, you can learn a lot from Samuel's story because he and his team did things the right way, and there are two approaches they took that I want to highlight in particular. First, dedicate resources to the project from the very beginning. Having your employees working on something on the side is just going to distract from your main business, and you won't end up producing the results that you're looking for with the project itself. Second, scratch your own itch. To maximize your chances of success... It's crucial to solve a problem that you experience. When you are your own ideal customer, then you're going to know how to build something that people actually want because you want it yourself. When you're using your product every single day, you'll also be able to quickly learn what matters, what doesn't, and then adjust to constantly improve. Samuel actually sent me a great quote from the late Senator Paul Songus that I want to share with you as some parting wisdom. He said, no man ever said on his deathbed, I wish I'd spent more time in the office. And I think that quote really applies here because if you follow Samuel's model, even if your product is a commercial flop, at least you've built something that makes life easier for you and your team. That's all I have for this week. If you enjoyed this episode to learn something, head over to iTunes and leave a review telling me what you learned. I love hearing from listeners and positive reviews help us grow our audience. So if you could take a second to do that, I'd really appreciate it. And don't forget, if your agency is looking to hire remote contractors or maybe even looking for a few extra projects and are tied to paying huge fees to Upwork, head over to talent.hubstaff.com and create a profile. It's 100% free. All right. I'll talk to you next week. See ya.